Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. I am pure chuffed to be doing this. I'm, I'm like a fan girl. I'm not tell I'm not kidding you. Like I kept saying to Paul, I was like, how did I get Lisa to ask me to be on the podcast? And he's like, I'm sure you're sure if you just asked her. And I was like, please, please. That is so funny. I think that's the latest. I don't know if I told you. Did I not tell you that when I obviously when I went into them and I was induced and I was in the hospital for like four days before I was born, I listened to four of your podcasts when I was in there. I listened to Lindsay Roberts one just because, oh my God, what a goddess is she? And then I listened to Edward Reed's because it was just a laugh and I needed a laugh to get through the four days of sitting in a labour ward with nothing happening. And I can't remember who else I listened to. Like the Wi-Fi was really dodgy and I hadn't downloaded them before. So I was having to listen to them in chunks. But I listened to you. I listened to you in the hospital and I was like, oh, I love it. I am actually like flabbergasted and just like very honoured that I was part of your birthing experience but I will say that yeah I'm totally thrilled that we're doing it and I'm glad you reached out because of course like the thing is if you know me you're probably going to be on the podcast especially if you're a creative talented person like yourself Jen McDonald. (laughs) Thank you I'll take that. Well we're we're totally going to get into it but I guess to to kind of formally introduce you I am speaking to Jen McDonald of Creative Spark Theatre Arts. And when I was like looking at your page, because obviously I follow your social media and stuff anyway, but I didn't realise that underneath your title, you've got Be Bold, Be Brave, Be You. So it's like very fitting you're on the bra and the brave. Yes, uh-huh. it was it was so strange Like when I came to creating Creative Spark and I didn't know what I wanted to call it. And I, I like the word, I like the word brave just because... I, th- I feel like if you if you're not brave, you're not going to take a chance, and you're not going to learn, or you're not going to realise. Um, I, I don't I don't really I wouldn't really call myself fearless. I'd say I'm a wee bit brave sometimes in choices, but I would want the children to feel or anybody who works with Creative Spark um, to, to feel that they could be brave and be bold and just to be themselves. Because I always say to the kids, like there is only one of you. You are unique. There is nobody else like you, and you need to like realize how amazing you all are like there's just so many talented people out there who just don't know that and who feel it's so hard now for a young person to grow up and the dawn of social media and everything's so perfect with a filter and it's like well no like you're you're enough like you don't need to pretend to be anybody else but so I was brave was I wanted to call I wanted to call it brave I wanted to put bold in the title and like my board at the time were like, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, no, they could just be bold and be brave and be you. <laughs> it's just dead cheesy. And they're like, ah, right, well, we'll give you that then. <laughs> but you're spot on in terms of that. Like everyone does have that creative spark and that comes up a lot in the podcast. And you and I have had the privilege to work on a variety of projects with a variety of people at different stages and ages. And yeah. But it is that belief and it's a total true belief that everybody has that creative spark within them. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it's like everyone's got that spark. Everyone's got that unique sense. So like that's why I call them my they're my sparks, like the big sparks, the little sparks. I've got my youth company. Uh, everybody's a spark because they're individual. When they're all together and their sparks are all shining together, it's a big shining light. And that's kind of what when they all come together, that's their power. It's when they're all together 
creating something that is their magic and that is what empowers them through their abilities because when I started Creative Spark like I didn't want to be a theatre school um I, I like I think theatre schools are good like when you've got the designated ones who are the ruthless and the this is the industry and this is that I experienced that and I, I didn't like it it wasn't an environment that I thrived in actually it, I wouldn't say it damaged me but there was a period of time that I was really unsure of myself and I was like no I can't it, it was a point when I'd have to sing in front of people and I couldn't do it and I was like my voice would just cut out and I just thought I don't want to have that environment where I'm working or if it was my own thing so that's why it's we're more of a we're a community we're a charity at the base of it everything we do is is for our community and we always say we want to empower and connect everybody with the arts. We want to connect all the different members of our community and empower them to realise the talents that they have um, to go forward. And I'm not even talking about creative talents. I'm talking about the talent or the ability to stand up and have a conversation with me or to, to meet me in the street and not feel embarrassed to say hello or, or to, to go into that shop and say, well, no, actually, my receipt's wrong. And having that confidence to be like, do you mean I think I'm right here? It's actually why I started it, um, just to kind of make people more involved, so that they could be more included. As I think you'll know as well, like the arts can be quite an exclusive thing. Like sometimes I think if you've got a lot of money or you've got a lot of connections or you've got a lot of just, do you know what I mean? Abilities maybe would mm-hmm. get you further in the arts. But I suppose I wanted to create an environment that it didn't matter if you could sing, act or dance, if you had the passion and the willingness to try, like everybody can. Just some can, some better than others. So that's what I say. Like people go, I can't sing. No, you physically can sing. You have anatomy like me, like everybody else. Just you might not be as good as that person beside you, but you definitely can do it. So it was more of a, a kind of organisation I wanted to create that was inclusive of everybody and everybody felt that they could come and approach it and try it. And it's not for everybody, not everybody's going to enjoy it, but you have the opportunity to take part and it's more about that. It's like the exploration of yourself and what you're yeah. capable of and I think that's the power of the arts. It's not necessarily that you are going to do that for a job, you're going to pursue that in yeah. any way, shape or form as a career, but you know, I'd written that in terms of like the inclusivity of, of your company and what you do and that it is about just instilling confidence and you're spot on in terms of like the the age of social media and it's one thing to be on camera and look confident and copy a a dance on tiktok or whatever but like you're saying confidence to to stand up for yourself yeah to have conversations and to put yourself forward your points across to be able to communicate it's even the confidence to have an opinion now that confidence to to say no I believe this and I think that is how it goes and even having the confidence to articulate how you feel as well um let's be like everyone's on a screen everyone's texting nobody really maybe hears anyone's voice I bet you could bet young people text and talk to each other every day but they necessarily don't maybe hear their voice and it's just having that ability to to contribute as you said to a conversation and feel confident that you can see it it's a safe environment because a lot of the children we have they're not going to be actors or whatever a few of them will but not everybody will but it may just might give them the confidence to go do you know what I'm going to apply for that job or I'm going to apply for that course or do you mean I think I could be this and it's just giving them that I suppose and it obviously like I just love anything with a sparkle or a shiny bit to it so do you mean it's an opportunity for me to get mega crafty because that's just one of the things if you met you get to do a show every year and that it's like the pinnacle but it I always need to remember when we're doing the show or doing the production that 
the end result is not the most important thing. But I get wrapped up in that sometimes because sometimes I think, well, that's all the parents see or that's all the outside world see of Creative Spark. They don't see in the room where we, Jimmy, really struggled to say that line for three months and then all of a sudden just belts it out. Do you mean, to me, they're the victories I salvage in there in my memory bank and, and they're like, do you know what, I'm doing the right thing. Because there's so many times I go, oh, God, I don't, I don't know why I'm doing this or the, like doubt myself. But then when I see that, I'm like, no, that is the right thing because he'll be able to go into school and he'll be able to put his hand up and say, I don't understand this or I know the answer. And that's really what is the most important thing. And obviously getting to do the shows is fantastic and creating the production and things. That is a big drawer, but it was more about that was just like a, a byproduct yeah. of what we were doing. It's not like the, the most important thing. It might be to the kids, to be fair. They might think, oh, we're getting to do this, we're getting to do that. But it's that unconscious learning. Like They don't know that they've learned stuff. They're just like, we did a show, we had costumes. I loved how you did like a like, shiny thing, sparkly things. I'm like, you're sitting in front of me with the most wonderful <laughs> spectacles known to man. And you are obviously famed for that. If anybody knows you again, I'm like loving your work. I know it's the glasses like that is like uh wait do you know why it's because I went through a really I really hated wearing glasses for a while like I well my sister's an optician so that's obviously why I've got a lot of glasses she's also worn glasses since she was really young and she and she's like she doesn't wear her glasses very often she wears contact lenses quite a lot whereas when I, I hit like 18 I was like I'm not wearing these anymore and I wore contact lenses forever all throughout my uni all throughout that and then I left uni and I think I'd overworn my contact lenses and I couldn't get any that were comfortable so like, oh, I'm just gonna have to wear glasses now great and then that is when I thought to myself why am I I wear glasses. If you're going to wear glasses, wear them that they're obviously on your face. I'm not a believer in it. Let your glasses blend in. No, just oh, let them be I mean, obvious. Like you just now, I'm like, <laughs> these are amazing. Like, every time I see you, I think it's like the first thing I see. You're like, hi, I know Lisa. And that's something else. The fact that you do that, yeah, for sure, absolutely for sure, the young people that you work with are, must be like, you change, like, because obviously you had a you're a cool person who does amazing things and inspires them and works with them. So the fact that you are wearing glasses and totally owning it, these wonderful glasses in your face that you're, you're it's part of you, it's part of your, you know, you're expressing yourself through. Mm-hmm. It's not that hide away or, you know, be ashamed of wearing glasses or that that's, yeah. that's a negative. Like you've spun that around. Uh-huh. That in itself just sums up everything you were talking about when you were talking about Creative Spark. Yeah, so it's like, don't be afraid of the, the, would you class it as a flaw or, or something that holds you back? Like, just wear them. That's why, like, I thought I made that decision when I was like, well, I'm going to need to wear glasses more often. I very rarely wear my contact lenses. But it's, yeah, just don't be ashamed of having glasses because more of, you see it now with more and more screens and things. Kids will be wearing glasses more often. And it's kind of make, not that I, I certainly do not make glasses cool, but do you know what I mean? It's kind of that kind of idea of trying to make something that's deemed geeky, not if you need to wear glasses just wear them and be proud and there's so many there's so many amazing spectacles out there that well, I feel you to find <laughs> listen these your collection is going to be in a museum one day and everybody will come to to see the collection imagine that like um it's not shoes for me it's not handbags it's it's not even clothes it's like glasses like I'm like right where are my glasses and obviously the first thing in it love to touch was my glasses and I was like no no. but you know it might seem a bit of an odd point to make but I do that for me like sums up who you are and you are the kind of person Jen, that walks in the room and and does light it up, and I'm not I'm not do, saying that to butter you up. Like I genuinely, when you walk in the room, I get excited. 
your energy's just brilliant. And what you were saying about having an opinion and standing up for yourself, also that also sums you up. Like when we've been in creative spaces together and we're, we're working stuff out, you're the kind of person that will just say, do you know what? I think this. And you're like, aye. I think it comes from, I think all my teachers would say it. Um, my mum and dad would say it. I, I, if I was at school and I didn't understand, my hand would just go up. If I didn't, if I wanted to say something, I would, I would kind of just say it. And I think my dad's very much like that. Like I don't know if you've met my dad. You've met my mum, but you've not met my dad. Um, he, he's very much like he'll just kind of say it, and he's, he doesn't really hold back. Um, so I kind of just watched my dad. He's quite a glass, Glaswegian uh, guy. You're just kind of gallus and that. But I, just, I watch him, and I just think, oh yeah, because he doesn't. He's not afraid to ask for help or to say something. And I think that's came obviously from my mum and dad. But at school, I would never be embarrassed to put my hand up. And I would I would be probably really annoying to the teachers, to be fair. And I'd always kind of, I don't think that's right. Do you know my opinion? might be completely wrong and I might be completely not right to say it. But I would still say it. I kind of became a wee bit fierce when I went to uni. Because I went to uni in England and I was the only Scottish person in my drama class. And it was oh, it was a battle. And I think I became quite fierce because I felt like I wasn't being heard because my drama lecturer in particular did not like my voice. It really did not like my accent to the point where I, I did all my assessments in an RP voice. I, did, I didn't I did do anything in my normal accent. Uh, and, and that was my first year of uni. And it was like a quite, a, I went to Cumberland Institute of the Arts. So it's a very small uni. It's, an, it's deemed an academic uni. So it's not an accredited drama school course, but to join honours in musical theatre and drama, and I hadn't really done. I'd, I was at school. My, my school didn't have drama. I had music, so that's where my love of singing came from. And I did everything I could in music. Um, didn't have the opportunity when I was at school to go to other schools to do other subjects. But even at that time, drama in my local authority was not a thing, so it just really wasn't there. So I went to UK theatre school at the time. Really loved being there. That gave me that kind of environment and gave me that kind of the ruthless kind of side of that. Um, but it was good. I mean, it didn't put me off. But I mean, I was like, no, I think I'm going to do musical theatre. Told my mum and dad, and they were a bit like, okay, right, like you can try it then. Like 100% supportive at the back of their mind, thinking that I don't know how this is going to work out. And they said I had a, I had additions booked to go to the drama schools in London for my degree. And at the time, my mum and dad were like, I don't think that's the right choice for you. And I was raging. What are you trying to say? La la, like really raging. I could do this. La la. And then they're like, no, I, I think maybe, maybe like, because I'd applied to like the university. So where was one in Preston I applied for? It was a drama course. And there was a company in State of the Arts I applied for. Then there was um, Queen Margaret University, isn't it, that has that course? Because uh, at the, the time, the Conservatoire didn't have the degree in musical theatre. So I didn't really have an option there. And it, I was a musical theatre diehard. That was it. It was that well, or nothing. I was you, like, why, mm. why musical theatre? I think it's because I just really loved singing. I loved singing. I loved Gene Kelly. I loved all the old school musicals. They're like my favourite. And I was like, I just like the over the top. I think I like the over the topness of it. And uh, I just, that's all I'd ever known was musical theatre. So that's why I, I decided that's what I was doing. But obviously at Cumbria, it was a joint honours and you had to pick another pathway. So I was like, I'll just pick the drama. I wish now though I'd picked the technical theatre because I think if I, if I could give myself a word of advice, I think that would have got me a wee bit more work put it that way and it was a really good course um so when I went there there was only 55 of us on our joint honours and that wasn't like that was people doing joint honours musical theatre dance creative writing technical theatre drama there's such a, an amazing choice there um and 
the first day we were in, it was a name game we were playing. But there was one boy, and I love him to bits, he's called Carol. But they say, Carl, like that. And they like, they, their A gets swallowed. And then I was like, oh, no. And it got to the point where you weren't allowed to say a name twice. And the only name left to be said was Carol's. And nobody knew who I was talking about. I'm like, Carol, I'm there, Carol. And they're all like, Jen, no. <laughs> Do you mean it was so? It was so funny. Like so, I think really like my fear, my fierceness, kind of of no, don't feel embarrassed to ask or to say anything. At that point, I could have either went two ways of going. I'm never going to speak in this class again. So no, I just authentically became a very at that point became very fiercely Glaswegian. It got to, and I'm not, I'm not like a proper Glaswegian. I live in the outside of Glasgow, but I became fiercely Glaswegian that class. And it became kind of like, and then they all started calling me Wee Jen. So it's like, because they obviously learned of the wee word because they hadn't heard that. And it was, it became a really big part of my identity to be like fiercely, oh, right, don't, don't get Jenny talk. It's like, oh, she'll just tell us. Wee Raj, that is Jen. She'll bring her chip it. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> so it's funny that though, I mean, we laugh. I mean, we kind of jess a bit, like in terms of like the stereotypes. But mm-hmm. I guess at points that would have been difficult because you're, you know, you're away from home, you're studying, uh-huh. it's all new, you're trying to make yeah. connections, and yeah, to feel like the odd one out. That's come up on the podcast before with other people in different scenarios, and and the idea of accent and language. Yeah, talking about Scots a lot recently mm-hmm. with some podcast guests, and just that, yeah, we should be celebrating who we are. Everybody should be, you know, it's yeah. celebrating your differences as well as recognising your, your similarities. But, yeah, that's hard, like, in a yeah. room, in a space, trying to be vulnerable. That's the whole point of doing theatre, is to, to open yourself up, you know? It's, it's got to be up there for one of the most cringiest moments of, like, a, of a workshop environment that I've ever experienced, because I was like, I'm going to have to say his name. And I, I, I can't actually even say it, Carl, in my normal voice, because it just doesn't work. And I was like, I'm just going to have to say this. But no, my time there though, that's, I think when, when I look back on it, that was the correct choice for my training. Uh, I would have just, I would have crumbled and I would have left. If I'd have got into an accredited drama school, I'd have left without completing the first year. It'd have been too harsh on me. It'd have been, because I found it really hard being at Cumbria and having to make that, because they were obviously, they're judging you on a, a uni level, um, like a exam structure. So you just couldn't get away with reading the script the way you wanted to. You had to really like. It was really. I really loved being there. It was. I was a such a mixed in with such a a lot of different people, like all up and down the country. There was other Scottish people in my course, but they were like Dundee and kind of like Perthway. So they and they actually all knew each other because they went to the same college. So it was kind of like I did have that, but again, I was like the sole Glaswegian. And then we had like a Geordie and a Mancunian, and you'd deliver Pudley and you'd people from Essex. So it was really great. And it, from there is when I realised that I was I had a knack for putting things together because part of our final assessment in our third year um was you had to do a, a devised piece so you had to do your very own production and it had to be completely made by you you had to produce it you had to take it you had to costume it you had to do all of it um and it was at that point I thought oh god I think I'm all right at this I think I'm quite don't I'm not a script writer I did have to write the script and the story for one with my because you always did it as a pair so you did, never did it on your own and I wrote the script for one of them and it was not the best script and I'm, I'm still not a great script writer but do you mean I learned at that time that the rest of it was great and that's when I was directing people and I was kind of like realizing that I quite like seeing them succeed I like seeing them succeed in something they didn't think they could do and I thought oh, I quite like that 
my drama piece was by it was me and my one of my friends Alan he's like from England really lovely deep English voice I mean really beautiful and we'd always get paired together so throughout our whole three years it was like we were like the yin and the yang because he was quite understated and he was doing joint honours drama creative writing so he was more about that side of things and we did a performance poetry for our final drama piece and it was all it was a true story it was called women in the wardrobe and it was about it was a true story from i want to say korea or japan a, a homeless lady basically moved into this man's house lived in his wardrobe for a year and he didn't know because he was so detached from his world and he was hardly ever there and he worked a lot and it was kind of it was addressing how so many people might need each other and they don't know and and alan played the man and i played him in the wardrobe and it was it was and it was at that point that i was like i quite like this part of it but then obviously i was still like I want to be a West End star. So well, that's I, like, what I was going to ask you. Was that the initial goal? Like you were going to be on stage? I really wanted that. I still, I still, if the opportunity came to me, I would still do it because it's <laughs> always going to be a number one passion. But obviously when we were at Cumbria, it wasn't really the opportunity to get an agent or anything like that. It was an academic degree. It wasn't going to give you a showcase at the end that hundreds of top class agents would come to. It didn't have that pool. So a lot of people in our third year were applying straight away to do their master's. So they would go straight away. So you've got your big ones like Guilford, a Rada, the Scottish Academy, like all the big hitters that they would they were applying for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made the choice that I was like, no, I think I'll move home first, and then I'll spend a year to apply, do all the dance classes, get the singing lessons, get my dish material sorted. Because um, I really didn't want to do it more than once. I only want I wanted if I was going to do it, I was going to get in, and that was going to be it. Yeah. Um, so I did them all. I didn't get a recall for any of them. I actually found them very disheartening. I was like, oh, there was a feeling I didn't like a few of them. So when I went into the edition and things, I didn't like the feeling of it. I thought, no, this isn't the right place. So I knew that, well, my end goal was I really wanted to go to the Royal Scottish Conservatoire. Like, I've always wanted to go there like, ever since. I used to go to theatre school in there. So I think before theatre school had their building, it was in there. So I was like, I'm going here. And that was like my mind. I'm going here. I was crushed. My first master's edition, I didn't even make the cut because now they do the, the scary paper on the wall. You do the dance call, you sing a song or whatever in the room and then they do the cut on the wall. I didn't even make it past that. I thought I'll apply again. So I only applied there. I applied to Royal Welsh um, and I applied to Guildford again because that was the ones I liked and I thought they're more likely to pick me. Just I felt like I was more of an actor who could sing rather than a dancer. Or do you mean I felt like that was my strength? But the thing about I never ever made it to Royal Welsh Edition because the edition they gave me was the day of my sister's twenty first birthday, and then they wouldn't give me another date because they're too busy. So I ended up I never ever auditioned there. So who knows? That could have been yeah. the one. That could have been it. And then I did the conservatoire again, and this is what annoyed me at the time. My surname before I was married was a W, so I was always last. And I always felt like, and if they did it in alphabetical order, I would always be last. And I felt by that point, people who have sat in auditions for all day, I got the feeling at that point they were exhausted with it. And they were like, what would you like to do when I get in the room? And I was like, oh. Don't ask me, tell me. <laughs> so, but it was, it was fine. I mean, I didn't, I didn't get in then either. And then I made that, con- but during this whole time that I was auditioning again, I kind of started working places like teaching and kind of just finding my feet with that and mostly blagging my way into these kind of jobs. Like, 
that was a lot of my early jobs were blags because I was like, yeah, I can do that. Then I'm like reading a book. I start really delved into it more when I started working for Culture NL. So I worked for them quite a bit. I did a lot of their children's theatre, their youth theatre. Then I did their adults, like over 50s dance class. And I kind of at that point, I actually was full time doing that work. So I was doing that at the same time. I was doing other wee theatre schools. I was doing like stagecoach cover. And I thought, actually, like I quite like this. I could quite like the money was not bad as you know the arts you don't go into the arts to make a ton of money but it was enough I could get basically having that work got me a mortgage it got me a car and I thought do you mean I don't really need that much at the time and I thought no I really like this then the opportunity came to to create Creative Spark and I'd been probably working about six or seven years as a freelancer uh, slowly before I took on Creative Spark I didn't have a clue like I'm not I'm not a business-minded person I'm not I don't know any like that kind of stuff but do you mean that's why Creative Spark is constituted in the way that it is that has a board that advises me and the people who know way more about it make those decisions do you mean and I, really all I wanted to do was to be in control or not in control I'm very much a collaborator but do you mean be the head of overseeing all the creative projects because I love working with people like that's why I like this because I like collaborating with people. I don't believe that I'm the best at what I do, but I believe when you come together as a collective, it's so much more stronger. And as you said, like ideas come out that you wouldn't have thought of. And and then from then on, it's just kind of been, I've been Creative Spark full time, uh, when I think maybe for two years. So just before Emmett was born, I made the decision that we needed to make a leap of faith. So we didn't have an office or a costume store. We didn't have anything like that. And I said, no, I think we need to make a decision and we, it was that, so at that point we made that decision to to have an outgoing cost. <laughs> now to have like a cost that you knew you'd have to meet every month. Do you know what I mean? Taking that leap of faith, like, you know, the whole thing's a leap of faith, life in yeah. itself. Do you know what I mean? Like, the decisions we make, it's important to think, well, that's just the path. I think I've spoken to this before, but I'm a really bad person for comparing myself. I always compare myself. I compare my work. I compare my social medias like as in creative spark stuff I compare it all the time and I'm like why are they doing that and I'm not and I'm like well maybe they're good at that and that's why and then I think my priority is not to have a flawless Instagram grid my priority is to to access the people who need the workshops who need the classes um to be at root level and to just deliver them I don't ever compare myself on my class content my projects the actual things that are at the core and that matter I compare myself on loads of stupid things and it's something that I think in this lockdown's made me think no I just need to stop doing that but I think a lot of people like will love how honest you've been in that because I think a lot of people that'll resonate we're living in an age of social media we all do it mm-hmm. to an extent if you are yeah. on the, the gram but like you say I you're never influenced to the point where you would change the content or the, you know the ethos and that's the same yeah. with podcast. I'm like other people are doing their thing and I admire it and go oh that would be cool if I could do that and you're like yeah. you're not, you, you should definitely be you and that's that's in your mantra isn't it? that's why I need to always go back and like I've got like be bold be brave be you everywhere in this office like it's in front of me it's like everywhere doing and I think to myself I can't I can't put it out there as an ethos and then don't use it Again, it's that confidence, isn't it? And it's having that fierceness. I've got that quote up on my wall, though she may be little, she is fierce. Like, if that's everybody said that to me all the time. Do you mean it's like, do you mean it's just kind of going back to that? And if you can't live it, I always think if I can't be authentically myself in these sessions, then I'm not, the kids aren't going to feel it. 
that the kids aren't going to get it and they're not going to understand it. Especially my youth company. I'm so lucky now that my youth company is like 24 members strong. Do you mean when I first started, I had my loyal five, I call them. I still have. I still have wow. them. Do you know what I mean? And uh, like, I feel like they're part of my family now. Like, see, when we made that film at Christmas time, he won't mind me talking about him. Uh, I've got a young boy called Aiden. Uh, I've had him since like we I want to say since he was seven that's when I met him and he's now I want to say maybe 15 like I I, I feel like that's how I know how how, how I'm getting older because he's getting older and he, there's, a, there's a shot in the film in the short film where he's walking up through the park and I was crying my eyes out because I was like that oh my gosh like what a he looks so good he looks so confident he looks so happy and I was like, oh, that's my job done. Like I could, I could leave. I could stop this today and go. I made an impact on at least one child. Do you mean? And I, I just watch them all, and I think they're still with me. I'm like, that is support that you can't put a price on. Do you mean? They're always there. They always try everything. They're my young volunteers now. So like, we do a young volunteers program because that's what I felt like when I was training. That I didn't really get the opportunity to see what it would be like to have this job. It is a different skill yeah. set. Yeah. to be able to deliver and inspire and give confidence to other people yeah. and break it down to the bare bones. Yeah. And it's also to have that understanding of how does that translate? How can you translate that to somebody to understand it? I also went through a period where it was just before I got married and I thought, I'm just going to be a drama teacher. I'm so, so naive and thought it was going to be so easy to be a drama second school teacher. Like, very, I was very like, oh, I was, it was ridiculous how like, uh, full of myself I was thinking that I, that I was like this so so desirable and I look back I was, like, I was so arrogant at that time so obviously the only place that you could go well there's Aberdeen and there's Edinburgh but I, I was I had a house and all that I wasn't I wasn't in that luxurious position to say yeah, I'll just move up to Aberdeen so I only applied to Edinburgh and I thought well I better get some experience in a school because I don't really I didn't have drama at school so I don't really have that experience so my auntie she's a deputy head and I thought and they've got an amazing they've got a creative arts faculty I was what? like oh my god and I was like what is this so it's basically the drama department the English department the art department and the music department are all one so I went and I did a few work experience a few sessions in there and my application was already away my application was already away and I was like I was like that this is really teachery <laughs> this is really teachery I don't know if this is my style do you mean I was a bit like oh <laughs> what did I think it was going to be yeah. I have no idea it was I felt like they made it a wee bit academic I felt like they made it a way that you had to learn this and you had to learn this uh what's that an acronym when it's all like the letters that mean yeah. a word uh, you have to learn all that you have to do this and I thought that, that I don't know I don't even know if I understand this and I was like right I'm kind of as close here. so then obviously I didn't get in I didn't even get an interview for Edinburgh Uni and that threw me for a loop I was raging when I opened, opened the email notification straight on the admissions firing an email clacking on the keyboard like and then I got a reply basically saying that I didn't demonstrate they said my community work was brilliant that it was obvious that I had a great practical ability I had a real great understanding of the subject matter and I would be really beneficial but I didn't demonstrate how I would understand how it would work in an educational setting I didn't demonstrate that I felt that it was important important to be in an educational setting I didn't demonstrate that I would follow the educational routes yeah and I, then I thought then I was so devastated and I thought oh my god what am I going to do now and really why I 
wanted to do that was because I wanted the salary and I wanted to know that I would have X amount of money in my bank, that that could get me X amount size of house. And I thought to me, why am I doing this? I was like, that has never been a priority. And I was like, nah. So then I didn't bother reapplying because I thought, well, my heart wasn't in it. It was obviously not in it from them reading it. And I think that's very obvious with me. I'm, I'm not, I can't really hide how I feel. Like it's very transparent. So I thought, well, obviously that wasn't for me. I said, I did go through that wee phase. And I've got um, loads of friends who are secondary school teachers. I'm like, yeah, that's who needs to be it. Like they are so good at it. We we like that opportunity, isn't it, when we do the the max work and things that we just go in and we get a wee insight. Uh, that uh, always makes me laugh when you watch um, the facilitators and go, right, I'm writing on the board and I'm not a real teacher. And then I started saying it as well. And then like everyone's laughing at me, whoever was with me on that tour is like, are you going to say that every time? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I should explain, like you and I usually work on a project that I, I have spoken about Max on the podcast before. Like it's a wonderful NHS health and wellbeing programme in Fort Valley that goes into schools and it, it's left such a legacy in that area. You know, I go into the high school and they're like, that's that Max woman. I'm like, that I mean. <laughs> Oh, you're like the OG, and and I always think if I could take a picture of your face, and it's like, so what are we going to do in this week? And it's the structure, and I just love it because I can just imagine how many structures of that week that you've seen. It took me a while to get on to Max in the middle because obviously Mary had stole me to do Max in the class, which is one thing I really loved, and uh, I just love working with Mary though. Like she's such a Oh, she's amazing. It's all about collaborating, and it's like a little rethink things, and you, you like they break it down. Like I think Mary and, and this particular that team in particular are really good at like the the evidence part of it, and they're good at breaking it down and really the project development of it. I think that's why I like working for them so much because it's really really delve in deep, and they involve you in it. So it's not like they just give you that the handbook and they expect you to just go away and do it. I feel really proud to be part of something like that. The amount of games and approaches that I've learned just working on Max with yeah. other facilitators. You're like, I never thought of that. Or that's amazing. That's such a great game. Like yeah. the kids love that. Like I will totally yeah. use that. And I love that idea, like in the arts, especially in Scotland, I feel that it's a really collaborative, supportive space. Yeah. Or, or maybe I've just been really, really lucky. I think it's really collaborative here. So many different people with so many different amazing talents. Like um, the Max team has always been really strong. And I like how you would change your your partner every tour and you would get to see how they would do it. And it's just so like brilliant to like, see. There is a lot of facilitators, but to find that one that really works with you, mm. like like who fits into your style is quite and Anisha, I think, to find that. Yeah, because obviously you do have a team. You're, you, you spoke about yeah. your board, you're the, in the driving seat. But yeah, running your own thing, there is a point probably where you need to go, actually, I can't do it all just because time. And yeah. I always, I'm quite passionate as well that it doesn't fall on me. Do you know what I mean, like, if I was to leave Creative Spark tomorrow, it would still run. Okay, I might be essential to all the, the, the inner workings of it, but people can come in and, and work with us. Like, eh, it's, it's took me a long time to find, I've got my right-hand woman that I call Sky. took me a long time to find her. She's, oh, I always forget that she's like maybe 10 years younger than me. I always think they're coming. And then, I mean, she's, a, she's brilliant. And I've got lots of musical directors that I've worked with and then lots of other tutors. And I am kind of guilty of that, of going to the tutors that I pers- like. I like, who I like and I can trust is a big thing for me. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm open to open to working with lots of different people 
we did like when we do the community projects that's maybe different people that I don't necessarily know that well um that are dance program at Kelvin Bank and things and then we've got the drama project and it's a wee local group called Empower that we work with and then we've done a few uh, things with Grace which are lo- a, ro- a local recovery group uh, and that's been lots of different tutors so I always think it's important as well when I go into those groups it's not just me because I want to I want to connect them to people who they might not necessarily be able to be in contact with because people who work in the arts they're really interesting people they've got really great usually have really great personalities and got really amazing stories to tell um so bringing them into a group who wouldn't necessarily have an access that type of personality is important to me as well obviously i need the tutor to be to really be knowledgeable and and really i suppose it's really understand why they're there because i want them to believe in the project to understand the benefits of it and to be an ambassador for us and I also want people to say well oh, I worked at Creative Spark and it's a really great experience because I've worked for a lot of people and you'll know what it's like as well to work for lots of different people and it's sometimes not the best experience that you've had so I would want people to go oh I'm definitely going back and work at Creative Spark and also I say to my tutors all the time I was like, if you have an idea for a project you just come to me and if we need to find funding for it or whatever like I'm open to that because I know that my ideas aren't the be all and end all I know there's lots of other people who have lots of amazing ideas so like you might have an idea for something and that door's always open do you mean like so that you can say because you know that I've got the access to the participants the access to the and you think I really I would really love to deliver this a passion project of mine I would really love to do do you mean so it's given it's also given facilitators the opportunity to work I think especially in this time when, as you said, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's not a lot of work, go and do this. Well, no, like I've been doing this over 10 years. I can't turn around and switch that off. You can, but I love what you're saying. It's like getting your ego out the way, like, but it is your baby and that's it's hard to just hand that over to someone in any sort yeah. of capacity. Like I know from starting a dance trip 12 years ago, yeah. I, I chose th- those girls because I knew them. I just yeah. knew that they were the right fit. Yeah. That there's something in that and it's about trusting your gut and you don't, necessarily always get it right and it's, it's a learning curve or whatever the people that you work with and stuff but that is important that you're yeah. not springing somebody in because they're the best singer ever or whatever uh-huh. that's that's great that's impressive but they are there to inspire and connect and uh-huh. have that sensitivity in the room and yeah. that's that's total magic and I, yeah. doing anything online that's where you realize how special the room is you lose a wee bit of the, the back and forth um with that kind of idea, don't you, if you were collab- especially, I think, I don't know how anybody's managing to direct production online because I can't do that without having wh- whoever's doing the choreography or whoever's doing the musical director. Like, I need to bounce off of them. Like, when it comes to production classes, I don't necessarily, okay, I've got a production schedule, I've got a rehearsal schedule, I need to make sure I've hit this, this and this, but I don't write down a plan every week because I don't know how long it's going to take them to pick up this one or learn that piece. Do you mean, so that's when I rely heavily on my team. But I, I did have, obviously when I had Emma, I had to hand over Creative Spark for a period of time. And obviously that, that was to Sky. And it was by absolute, She, I didn't have an, a, a, a problem with that. Like I did not worry. I did not, I was only worried that, do you mean, that the kids were there for her. Do you mean, I wanted the, kit, the classes to be full so that she could turn up and not have to worry about that side of things. I hope she felt valued when she did it because it was she was a great source of like I felt safe knowing that I could walk away and that worth its weight in gold. You yeah, know, you know that. yeah. My main thing is how the how the tutors are with the children. Like I I like that nurturing vibe, that kind of understanding. 
yes, it might be annoying that a child puts their hand up five times in a class to tell you something. But again, it's have they've had the confidence to put their hands up to tell you that. So you have to respect that. We are so, a Jen McDonald of this generation. Yeah. Excuse me, Jen, Jen. That is my that feeds my soul. Those moments where you just meet these wee personalities, or or like you know working in a high school, but everyone just the patter, the banter, yeah. the throw. Like people are unconsciously funny, yeah. or you know, and just and the things that people worry or get upset about, and just like helping mm-hmm. them through that. And then yeah. it's the best job in the world to give mm-hmm. somebody the opportunity to express themselves or to like escape into a character and see yeah. them come alive on stage and be totally buzzing yeah. and be with the pals and being part of something I think given the responsibility as well to young people that you work with like that's your job and you yeah. need to be here for your not just for me like you're not you're here for your whole team you're in a yeah. production you're part of something if you're not there you're a valued member so you pull up your socks and let's go yeah. for it we're gonna make this yeah. happen and it's also like as well as I think like some children I think can we not maybe shielded is the right word to say so they come in and they the resilience maybe isn't there that it needs to be so it's it's giving them that wee bit of no this is your responsibility and kind of helping them process it in a way that they get a wee bit more resilient so that if I say no I do not think that was good enough what you just did there they're not going to burst into tears like it's just everyone's style isn't it of how they've been brought up and things like that and there's no yeah, right I mean I was I was the great urge I mean you can't tell me yeah. I've done something I'm like, oh my god she just said I can't do a step I'll change oh. like that used to be me do you mean that but then you just have I think you get to that point where you think no no I can do it but you know, I think for me, when my youth company was the more important thing was I wanted them to feel like they had like they could have lifelong friends out of that class because I've I've got a friend who I've met who I met a really long time ago in theatre school that I still who's still a really valued friendship of mine. Do you mean and that was kind of as I felt like I could have that when I was there. So my youth company, I wanted it to have that feeling of these are all your friends that are here. Like they've chosen to be in this room with you, to take part with you because they love you. They love your personality. Um, that's what I wanted my youth company to feel like because I sometimes feel like high school is quite a lonely place for quite a lot of teenagers and they might necessarily not connect to the people in their year group but if they can come to us do you mean it's two hours a week but do you mean that could be the two hours they're living for to come and see such and such to have that wee blather at the five minutes before the class or at the end of the day do you mean so and it's so nice to see them like spur each other on as well when you yeah. see those moments between friends or they're like really impressed by a pal or they're like rooting for them and you're like, yes, like more of that. It's so important. Yeah. yeah. On. I'm quite proud of their youth company. There's not a competitive spirit in there because I was getting a wee bit worried because they are all getting older now. They are all, oh my gosh, blow you away, talented, like every single one of them. And it gets to that point where I don't, when it comes to productions, I don't make the kids audition. I try and swap the roles about. If a child, I don't think, would shine in an essay role, I'm not going to give them that because it would just expose them. And I don't want, I want them to feel built up and I want them to feel confident about it. But there is a good handful of kids who could have the same role every show, do all the numbers, do all this. But then there could be the wee person at the back who... It's just a total diamond in the rough. And I always do that in a production. Sometimes it works and sometimes it really doesn't. Which, I mean, there's that point where you think, no, they need this opportunity. So there's no competitive spirit in there because they know that's not what I'm about. Do you mean, if they wanted to have that, if they wanted to fight each other for roles, then this isn't the right place. Do you mean? But they're all really, they are, like, as you said, they're supportive of each other. 
uh, if we would ever do corner work, they'd be like, woo, whooping and hollering. And like, they, they like to see each other succeed. And they all know each other's strengths. So it's so weird when they're like, right, so I need somebody to do this. Oh, did it. And they'll see that person's name. So like, they know each other's strengths in that respect. So when I go in there, it feels like home when you're in that youth company class because the trust is there and they're just so comfortable with each other. They are obviously, they're teenagers. They're going to be self-conscious at parts, which I mean, there's just some of them in there who just have no inhibitions. And I think that's what the other kids like. They, they admire that and they think, well, I'm going to strive to do that. They're just, all the kids, I just feel fortunate to have that many children that, that want to come and work with us and who want to give us their time because children do so much now, like so many things that they take part in and they're, they're chosen to dedicate their time and energy to it. So it's just a very privileged position that I'm in. You can tell how much you love it. And I just yeah. feel like for anybody who has that, the last year has been really difficult because you're trying to, you know, business aside and you're yeah. like keeping yourself afloat and all that. That's like a concern within itself. But just that lack of that connection that we, we all know and the joy of being in the room with each other, but also just you being concerned for that wee family yeah. that you felt yeah. and you're not, having, you're not seeing them on a regular basis. Uh-huh. You're hoping that everyone's okay and that you know how much they love acting singing dancing together yeah. but I know you've done some online stuff which is great. yeah we've done the online so obviously when a uh, lockdown the first one in March happened we were midway through productions so we were doing the Lion King for the Little Sparks and we were doing Cats for the Big Sparks the Youth Company then obviously we had to stop so we kind of did like the video we kind of made a short film about cats we made we did lots of different things. We did a weekly live dance session. Sky took all of that. Sky did a lot of the work at the beginning because, as I said, I was kind of didn't have any child childcare or really any support at that time. So we kind of got through to summer, and I was like, right, we've made it to here. And then normally our summer schools, we do two weeks. They're ramp-packed. And that, see, the, the profit we make off of the summer schools is what floats us the whole year. Obviously, we never had, we, we had summer sessions, but we're nowhere near. Literally, the summer sessions paid for it. That was it. They paid for the tutor. They paid for the materials. And that was it. It didn't leave us any extra. And then, obviously, we went back, and I didn't do Zoom in August because I didn't know what she was going to say big Nicola I didn't know what decision she was going to make and then in September she said we could come back so we came back there's so many restrictions in place I had to do so many online I had to like basically study myself to make sure I had to create all these risk assessments I had to create a policy I had to make sure my insurance was compliant she was all those kind of things that was before I even stepped foot in the class not allowed to sing so we're not allowed to do that the over 12s have to be distant uh, we can't do any excessive shouting or any excessive sweating. So then we did, we, we were in person from September to the beginning of December. Then she places in tier four and we are a non-essential. So we had stopped. And then we did our, we got, we got a week of class before Christmas, just like a class of thank you so much for supporting us. We made the Christmas film. So the day of filming in the park, which we've never done before. The kids absolutely loved it, but it was absolutely freezing. Oh my God, I felt so bad for them. They were so cold, but they did it and they were amazing. And then obviously we've been in lockdown since. So I kind of made the decision, like I, I wanted to expand our, like timetable so to speak before lockdown happened because in our classes it's all three so you do acting singing dancing it's very much peer led we're always working on a production we learn basic skills in each thing but we don't necessarily focus on just singing or just acting or just dancing we we kind of do all um because I feel like 
in that kind of theatre arts class, it's kind of like the best thing for me personally. And and the kids seem to really enjoy it. And it's been going for five years and we've not made, it's not been any, you know, it's got better and better every year. Then I thought, if we're coming back, we've got this chance to experiment. Let's see if the kids want to do just dance. Let's see if they just want to learn musical theatre as in like composers, styles, acting through songs. We, we don't really have a chance in the hour to talk through about that. Vocal anatomy, like really delve into that kind of side of it and then acting as itself because they're all massive subjects on their own. We're doing a normal class, so just a class we've had forever. That's on a Monday evening, come along, different theme for each week. And then Tuesday we're doing dance and musical theatre and then Wednesday we're doing an acting class. Um, it's open to everybody so if, if you're not a spark it doesn't matter you just come along take part but no so it's, it is positive it's kind of trying to use this time to think outside the box I think that's the thing about folk in the arts we are just used to adapting and blending to the situation and not scared of experimenting yeah and like what what is possible and what yeah. are we comfortable with and what do people need to, not just giving them it for the sake of giving them it what do our sparks need and what do they yeah, want and kind of answering that call it's going to uh, answering the call of some of these children might need this and it might be five it might be ten do you mean that that's fine we, we run it because we're going back to making it accessible giving them the access going back to those principles that we set out making sure they've got a platform making sure that they're connected to each other because that is something that they were missing I think was the connection with each other so my youth company class eh, I just when I when the class is finished I need to pack up and everything anyways so I just mute myself turn my camera off and I give them 15 minutes Jimmy, it's just making sure that we're trying to be at giving as much back as we can. Do mean there's so much support out there for us, which is which is brilliant? Do you mean to say that I've got a lot? I've had a lot of kids for years, and it just blows my mind that they're still there. I'm like that. Oh, I've still got them. It's a privilege. That speaks volumes of what you are providing. People yeah. feel that they belong there. Yeah, and it is of you know value, and it is part of their life. Yeah, that's what I've really wanted it to feel that they had a wee family. Like I call it, like we've got we uh, this team spark, and we always talk about that. Like we're all a team, we're all a family. Do you mean it is like uh, my family are heavily involved with Great Spark anyway? Um, so it's it's more of that feel of like you just come and speak to us rather than like I'm this scary teacher that you can't say anything to. Like no, that's not what it's about. It's it's about coming and feeling like as you said, feeling part of something. To have an, and even even if it's part of your identity, to like feel that like you feel like you're part of us, and that it's something that that's yours as well. To have that wee moment of this is mine and have ownership over it. I think it's going to be a tough year again. I think will be uh, for the arts. It's going to be tough. Um, I really hope that it doesn't impact the regional theatres too much. I really hope that they can open back up. I just worry for. I just hope all the amazing actors keep going. Do you know I mean because they will have had to have sort out other ways of making money and I really hope they can get back to it. I feel really like sad that the arts have the, the, the pecking orders it's very low. Do you mean but it's the first thing that people use to show off something. I hope I hope twenty one twenty twenty one is a better the year than twenty twenty, but I think it's take each day as it comes really. Yeah, just relying on your creative ability to to get you through, I suppose. I know I just feel like I've been I've said this before but I genuinely mean it like I'm being blessed to continue the podcast because I think even just having conversations about the things that we love to do even mm-hmm. if we're not doing them yeah it kind of keeps that wee fire burning like that spark still there the hope that we can mm-hmm. return to that one day yeah. and it's not all doom and gloom because we have been in rooms where magic has actually happened oh, uh-huh. yeah definitely like 
I do miss that, like, as you were talking about those development days that we did with the Max team, like, that is such a highlight. I We were successful to get the YTAS micro-grants. They were given out micro-grants for uh, arts professionals, any organised anything. Uh, so I applied to get a really good camera because I knew I would have to pre-record and I knew... That's, an, that's another thing I've had to learn is filmmaking and editing. I wouldn't say I'm a professional editor, but if you need a tutorial on iMovie, I am, I know it all. So I got the, I was successful to get the grant and I was so lucky to be asked to come on to like a Zoom training day thing. It was like a, a webinar about virtual learning and I got to meet two other lovely practitioners who were also speaking on it as well. And it was just, it was like 10 of us on the call and they were just wanting to know how, what was your safe practice? What have you been doing? How have you adapt? And I thought, oh my gosh, like these people, it was so inspiring. It was only like an hour and a half and it was so, it, it was such a great event. I was like, oh, I missed this. And if that was in the room, magic would have happened at that one as well. And I was just like, oh, I missed this. I miss having that opportunity to discuss ideas and not feel like you can't see it and then also not have and also don't have the fear that someone's going to steal it do you mean i love it i love it i totally miss that like my brain definitely hasn't been in that space for a long time i'm dead interested to know like so obviously the, the young people that you work with and the people that you collaborate with will be constantly inspiring you but do you have like particular musicals or actor actors or musical theater stars that are just your go-to if you need like a bit of inspiration or just remember be reminded why you love this so much that's a good question i love scott allen um music i love i love really love his music i just think he's i love the songs they're all like standalone songs and they all like really speak to you um they're so they're gorgeous to sing do you mean they're they're brilliant and he he recently just got tiktok right and it's like i'm trying to like he what he basically he plays the music and he's like duet me and sing it and sing it right well I'm terrified because I want to do it but I'm absolutely terrified because this he's picked the hardest song obviously and I'm like great so he's kind of like my go-to if like I like emotional kind of stuff I like to listen to that I'm I'm a big (laughs) I'm a big fan of RuPaul as in RuPaul's if I want to escape or I want something light-hearted then I go to that and then I've actually was saying to like to my husband to Paul, I wonder if RuPaul's got like an autobiography or a memoir. I've listened to his podcast quite a lot. And you think to yourself, do you mean he's really insightful and he's really about the empowering message? Obviously a lot of people associate him with like the drag and the drag race, but sometimes like I kinda listen to his podcast sometimes and I listen to like his struggles and that kinda because I, I just I love him to bits, like, oh my gosh, he's like like my favorite person like if you could be in one musical like you know you were saying that you you, you would never say never what well, would be your like ultimate i would love to be in singing in the rain because it's my favorite musical um and i love gene kelly music well i just love him to be fair i'd love to be in six the musical you would be amazing in I'd love to be. one of the costumes i think i would want to be the one who's the one that sings first oh gosh is it anne boleyn or I think it may be hard. The one that sings, sorry, not sorry, that one. I love that one. I could, I'd love to be in six. I think for a modern I'd, one. I would have a proper like pair of specs made for that show. Oh, I'd need that. I would need that. <laughs> I, what else? There's loads I would love to be in. Like, There's loads of, like, obviously you'd love to be in Wicked or you'd love to be in Hamilton. I would love to play Anna in The King and I, purely for the costumes as well, those big massive dresses and things. Um, oh well, I'd love to be Ariel in The Little Mermaid. Like that is like my go-to part. Like 
that is when I was younger now the bit where she's giving her voice to Ursula my little sister used to pretend to be Ursula and I would pretend to give a voice it's hysterical like so little Ariel and the Little Mermaid's like my ultimate dream role so that was when my mum and dad realised that I could sing like like I could actually hold a tune because we had like a, like a shell shaped bath remember them oh and I used to do the is that coming <laughs> up on the rock coming up on the rock and, I, and I would sing it in the bath and that was and they were like oh She's good. She's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, no. Ariel is definitely my go to. I managed to see that on Broadway because we went there. My sister was 18 and I was 21 in the same year. So we, that was our present. That was like our last like holiday with our parents, sort of thing. And I managed to see it on Broadway. And oh, my. I was front row and everything. Oh, it was the best. I would kill to go to a theatre show tomorrow. I really would. Like, I had bought theatre tickets to the last play that Elaine C. Smith was in. It had this really random name. I can't remember it. Obviously, the production wasn't going to be on during lockdown. So they were like, you can either request a refund or just don't reply to this email and your money gets donated. And I didn't even hesitate. I was like, no, I've already spent it. Just £22. It's already spent. I would kill to go and see. That was the last theatre tickets that I bought and obviously didn't get to go. So I would, I would kill to go to a show. We'll get there, we'll be there. Aye. Mm-hmm. Just think, think how good it'll be. Well, all. I had tickets, I had tickets actually for for a Sunday in the Park in George, in George or Sunday in the Park with George, the musical. Jake Gyllenhaal was in it. I had tickets. Yeah, it was meant to be it was meant to be last August. Now they don't even know if the production will go ahead because all their schedules now, like all their that was the only time that the all the cast could be in the show. And I was like, I was really going to see Jake Gyllenhaal, to be fair. And I was like, oh, like I'd seen him. I'd seen him on a promo for Sunday in the Park with George. And I'd seen him do sing this. And I thought, oh, my God, he can actually sing. Oh, and I was so excited. And then obviously we couldn't go. But I was like, oh, gosh, I really hope that happens. Because that's like a once in a lifetime opportunity to actually see him. Because he's like a massive star. It'll happen. A history. Like the world can't not have the art. It just can't, for sure. But no, like it's been lovely just to like sit down and hear you know obviously we know each other we've worked together you get a sense of somebody and and what they're all about and their vibe but it is such a privilege to like sit down with somebody and really just explore why why decide to do this and go down this pathway and the work that you've been able to do and it's wonderful and I just I totally wish he's all the best I'm just absolutely buzzing that I'm on this podcast. <laughs> I'm actually so buzzing. It's, but it's, I, I like, I also like listening to, like, even listening to our kind of accents as well on like a podcast. You know, like, just having that familiarity of like a, a voice that you would kind of know. Do you mean, I love Fern Cotton's podcast and I know that you love Fern Cotton's podcast, but I'm not a massive podcast person that listens to hundreds so only a select few that I listen to you know to be even like if you're saying like I only listen to a few yours and Fern Cotton's I mean there you go that is like yeah, high there you go that is you you're yeah. Fern Cotton and RuPaul that's all I need Aww. that's all I need that's a dinner party isn't it imagine that that would be so cool oh that'd be amazing well in saying that I guess we should probably go into the, the thing in my jigs or the hang in, hang in oh, my yeah. jigs so funnily enough one of the ones I'd picked out for you was if you were to host a dinner party, who would be your three guests? Right, well, if you couldn't make it, there could maybe be a substitute. Well, RuPaul would obviously have to be on there. Uh, I think I would like Fern Cotton because I think like her just such a good conversationalist. Like I don't think there'd be a quiet moment. Who else would I have? I know who I would have. Uh, Paul O'Grady. Paul O'Grady. 
such a good choice. Yeah, I think he'd be. I just obviously he loves dogs, and I love dogs as well. And obviously, he's, like, he's just. I think he'd be so great. I love listening to his radio show because it's just so random what he talks about. Love it. Great answer. Um, what is your go-to movie if you need cheering up? Uh, it's got to be a Disney movie, hasn't it? Um, I'd probably say I love Inside Out. I love that movie, but it's quite sad. <laughs> so maybe I don't need to. Um, but it's got it's got obviously got a nice ending. But uh, I I love Moulin Rouge. But that's also a tragic story. Uh, I do love watching because I've got Disney Plus the Newsies productions on there. So I'll, I'll, that's quite a cheery one. That's a that, like the moves in that are classic musical theatre dance moves in there. So that that's quite cheers you up. Yeah, any Disney movie, I suppose. I can't. Wa- I actually can't watch The Lion King anymore because now you can take before lockdown and when the cinemas were actually open, you could take. There was days where you could. It was baby and you sessions. So The Lion King, they were showing the remake Lion King, so they knew the new one. And um, it was like four weeks old or something. I was very hormonal, and I knew the Mufasa bit was coming up, and I was actually breaking my heart. I had to go to the toilet. Because oh I was like, oh, you're greeting my eyes out. I was like, oh, no. So I need to be on a good day to watch The Lion King. If you could read the costume department of any show. Oh. I know. If we're talking TV programme, we're watching that Boardwalk Empire just now. And that's set in the 1920s. And, you know, obviously you love a bit of vintage. I love a bit of vintage. I would love to read the costume department of that. Uh, if I could raid anywhere, it would probably be the Royal Opera House in London. Now the one that does like where they have the ballet and all that, I'd love to raid that costume store. That would just be insane to look at all their costumes. It's like always when we go, we we use um, a, a costume company in Glasgow quite a lot. And when you go out there to meet with June, and I'm just like, oh, and I'm like, my eye gets drawn to everything. And I'm like, what's that? What's that? And she's like, Jen, we're going up the stairs to talk about your production, not the 50 million Priscilla Queen of the Desert wigs that are lying over there. Like, I just love it. They did a whole set of costumes for Starlight Express. Oh, my gosh. They were just flawless. Absolutely. I couldn't work here because I'd just be like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. I would be too busy looking at everything not to actually do any work. Well, we'd be turning up for fittings and you'd be in the costume. I'd be like, how good does this look? Walking about with a seahorse head on. <laughs> like, woohoo. <laughs> I've never been in a wig room before. Like, I've never been in a room for just wigs. And I feel like that has to happen. Like, I wish, I sometimes as well had a wee flitting idea when I was like in the past, I thought well, I would love to be like a costume designer or a like a dresser or something like that. And I was like, no, I'm getting myself distracted. <laughs> I'm just going towards the shiny things. I'm like, oh, sequins. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what question's coming. Oh, yeah. It's the last question of the Bra and the Brave. This has been, uh, I've just had a lovely time. I know, it's been so good. But what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Well, I, what did I say before? Like, Hodger Weesh. I quite like that one when you say Hodger Weesh to somebody. But Jobby's a classic. I know it's a pure bad, like, word, but it's like, it's a classic one. Hodgin, though, when I heard Stuart say that one, I hadn't thought of that in ages. But Hodger Weesh, I think, is definitely one. Oh, oh, there's just so many, isn't there? And there's a lot of, like, glass region ones, isn't there? So Hodger Weesh, I think. I don't think I say it very often, but... Um, but Joby is definitely up there. And this has been just lovely. I'm so glad you didn't hold your wish. Aye.
I was a bit worried because you know what I like I like a conversation when I was listening to Stuart's and he was like god I could talk for hours now he's like I could talk and talk and talk I was like thank god I was like because that's me that's like that at least Lisa knows what to expect Jen McDonald you are just a ray of sunshine you are indeed a spark oh thank you in the clan i'm buzzing i'm actually buzzing right now i'll be sharing this like no end i'll be three weeks later and you'll be sick of seeing it you're like jen stop it <laughs> can somebody might be in the hospital having their baby listening to your episode jen mcdonald imagine <laughs> i hope you enjoyed today's episode of the bra and the brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests bye for now